And now on this Christmas morning, the Holy Gospel according to St. John, the first chapter beginning at the first verse. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light. But he came to testify to the light, the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Grace to you all on this Christmas morning, and peace, the peace of Christ, be with you as it flows from Jesus Christ, our newborn King. Amen. This Christmas, and for a few now, I've been a bit busier than I've been during earlier periods in my life. When I was in the engineering business, little happened at this time of year in, in that particular line of work. Back then, I had a lot of time to reflect and to reminisce. Now, now serving as a pastor, I find that I have very little time during Christmas to just relax and enjoy my own thoughts and to think back to my treasured memories. But when I have time, I still tend to think of the same sentimental things from my past. For example, I think of my father. He was in a very different line of work from the ones I've pursued in my lifetime. His business supported the part of, or a part of the tourist industry in South Florida. And therefore, every year when Christmas approached, and it was obviously before COVID, my dad had to work harder, harder and harder, because folks from more exotic places like, say, New Mexico, were on their ways to the Florida Keys to go fishing for the Christmas break. He would come home at night and he would do so day after day. He would have worked 15 hours consecutively. He would wolf down his dinner, put his five children to sleep, and then he began what we later called secret all-night projects. Those projects had something to do with the phrase, some assembly required. My sentimental mind also turns to my grandmother. She would arrive early, she would come early during the afternoon prior to Christmas Eve. Grandma would putter around the house and help my mother in the kitchen. She read stories in the evening to the youngest children, and she would make sure to spend a, a wonderful amount of time with the teenagers as well. 
And when we awoke on Christmas morning, it was obvious that she had spent the entire night sleeping on our living room sofa. Many years later, we learned that it was Grandma, Grandma who ensured there were gifts under the tree when our parents were going through tough financial times. And I remember my mother. I must admit that uh, I've been given a gift from one of my brothers who took all of my mother's old 8mm films and put them on a, a flash drive. So I have 35 hours of films I can watch that she took. And many of them are of Christmas morning. The things that she did, at least back then, were not immediately visible to us as kids because she was careful to cover her tracks as she executed her careful plans. And now, now I can see through those old movies the care that she took to decorate her home for Christmas. And there, captured in glorious black and white, are the decorations, the food and drink put out for guests, and the perfectly arranged nativity scene in the center of our living room. I can see my own seven-year-old face all scrunched up as I came down the hall after waking up on Christmas morning and being blinded by those bright lights that were on the movie cameras of the 1960s. And I also remember my church. We were a small congregation on the edge of the Florida Everglades. Christmas morning was the big service of the year for me and for all of us. Back then, at least in our community, Christmas Eve was a quaint little service only for the elders in the congregation, but everybody, everybody came to Christmas Day. In fact, in our little bitty church, we might have as many as 200 or 250 people join us on Christmas morning. Some had to sit in rooms around the corner from our sanctuary, and they had to stretch their necks just right to be able to see what was going on at the altar. We didn't have the advantages of modern technology and, and big screens out in your fellowship hall. And I remember a time when I was about 12 years old. <laughs> I was chosen to be the acolyte on Christmas Day. I should explain what that means. We only had one acolyte, the, the young person who would light the altar candles and, and help the pastor on Christmas morning for, with communion. And we didn't know what a crucifer was. That was usually done by young people in those days too, but that was the person who carried the cross in when the, the service began and carried the cross back out when the service ended. So to be the acolyte, to be the young person helping to serve on Christmas Day was for me the highest of honors. It seemed to me I was given a sacred trust. And I had never been so humbled in my life as I was in that little bitty church on the edge of the Everglades that lacked air conditioning. All of these things and all of these memories are generated by and for so many wonderful people because they felt the spirit of Christmas, the spirit that Pastor Jerry spoke about last night. All of the people involved with preparing for Christmas in my family and, and in my church were moved by the example of God sending his infant son to us and doing so for our salvation. All of the people I knew back then did these things because they had learned to love the Lord their God, the one who had 
come to us to inspire us to good works. And Christmas was the very special time when all these people were moved to extraordinary effort because they wanted to live as Jesus had inspired them to live. And I have other sentiments for that time of year too. You see, my mother, my father, and my grandmother, they all passed from this life to God's glory at Christmas time. Like many of you, I need the familiar images of Christmas. I need to hear of God's unfailing and never-ending love that embraces us all. It's that love, it's that expression of grace that I hold on to when I see manger scenes or I see kids with towels on their heads and sparkly halos as they act out the, the drama of the divine birth. And I need the sight of a church like this one, decorated to celebrate the coming of the Christ child. So go my sentimental thoughts of Christmas, back then and now. And I'm sure you have yours as well. But we come to worship this day and we find ourselves confronted with that reading from John's gospel that I shared with you just moments ago. In those words, we didn't hear one shred of sentimentality. We didn't hear one human emotion expressed. John's gospel has no manger. It has no shepherds. It has no wise men, no star, no Mary, no Joseph, no, no room in the inn. In fact, John's gospel has exactly zero of the images that we hold dear. Why then are we confronted with these words when we are, which are so unexpected this day? Well, remember, John's gospel starts out with some very familiar words. In the beginning. Certainly you know those words. You've heard those words at the beginning of the book of Genesis, the very beginning of the Bible itself. And you've heard those words since you were a kid. Here are those same words used to describe Christmas. Why? Well, you see, I have a theory. I can't prove it in, in this life, but I have a theory. I think that you and I, all of us, we are stuck in our humanity. Clearly, we don't have any other choice. That's the way God made us. Luke and Matthew, they are master storytellers, and they tell of the human drama that played out 2,000 years ago. They tell the story from the human perspective. That's why we relate so well to the nativity. We can see the baby Jesus nestled down in the straw. We can see him lying in that lowly manger. We can understand the strain that Mary and Joseph must have suffered to bring their child into the world. But John? John's telling is totally different, I think, because he relates a story from a very different perspective. It seems to me that John's gospel tells of Christmas not of the human point of view, but of God's point of view. And that's why the words in the beginning, 
there was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. God spoke, and the cosmos were created. God's Word was all that was required to create earth and sky and stars. Not a single thing existed before the Word of God was issued. God's Word has no future, and it has no past. Time, you see, is a human perception. When God's word is spoken, whatever God has said is already accomplished. And so time began, and the cosmos advanced. God's word was given personally to the first humans in creation. But the humans didn't keep their end of the bargain in that garden so long ago. And God gave his word in the form of the law. He gave it to Moses and the chosen people of God. That law was intended to point us toward a right relationship with God. But again, we we humans failed to uphold the covenants. And over and over again, God spoke his word through the prophets, warning us to return to a right relationship with him. But we failed to listen. We trusted our own ways, and we turned away from God's way. And then God set his word into the world in a new way. God's word, God's very self, was sent to us in human form. That word was to live among us, to be one with us, to be a light to our path through the darkness that our own human nature, our own sinfulness, had engineered. But all too many of us did not know him. He came into the world as one of us to be one with us and then he was rejected by us. But some, some believe in his name. God's name? Well, remember what God told Moses when Moses asked by what name The people should refer to this God. God told Moses simply, tell them, I am. God is. God has been. God always will be. To believe God's name is to believe God's word. To believe God's word is to believe God is. And to believe these things is to be given the greatest gift of all, the gift of God's grace the gift of eternal life. God gave this gift of eternal life to absolutely everyone. It's within our power to accept this magnificent gift or to turn it away. This is the fulfillment of the law of Moses. This is the meaning behind the messages given through the prophets. And this, dear brothers and sisters, is the meaning of Christmas from God's perspective. We've seen the very image of God presented us, presented to us in the form of Jesus Christ. We have accepted the human face, the human body, and the human life lived and chronicled in the Gospels. We have received God's word through the life and teachings of the word made flesh. These are the sentimental attachments we will always have for Jesus Christ. And we rejoice at the renewal of our sentiments as Christmas is celebrated every year, as we should. 
But John the Evangelist teaches us the flip side. He teaches us that God has taken on our flesh. He has lived a hard life like us through hard times, confronted sickness, endured the loss of loved ones, and suffered death. He has come among us to give us his word in a way that will guide us as we live in this sinful world. And he has given us the gift of his word, the gift of himself, first as a baby. Sisters and brothers, Christmas is here. And we greet one another with words like, have a blessed Christmas. Our God, who has always been, is now, and always will be, has created something new this day. Can you perceive it? What he's created is his own word once again, his own self. It's now among us, and it has brought us this truly great gift, this gift of eternal life. And that is our true source of joy on this day. I think perhaps if we were to exchange a different greeting today, a greeting that might flow from what we imagine to be God's perspective, that greeting for Christmas might be something like, have a blessed life forever and ever. Amen.